Rick, 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 this is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Well, it's a Friday. I guess it's a Friday. Here we are, all of us, after watching whatever that was on Amazon Prime last night. And uh, that's where we're going to start. Talking about that Green Bay Packers and Lions game, right? We'll get to some fantasy football help. Andy Hall, FantasyNation.com, and Laser103.3 is going to join me in studio. I have to talk about Dane Lillard to the Milwaukee Bucks. That came out of nowhere, although some of us have been manifesting it since uh, 2021. (laughs) Uh, Also, are we all really that mad about the biggest story in the country? And no, 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 I'm not talking about a government shutdown or any of that stuff. This isn't the place for that. You you want to hear people yell and scream about that, you go find another radio station. But I am going to start with a with my take on the Packers and the Lions last night. Detroit goes into Lambeau, manhandles Green Bay 34 to 20. And that was an ass kicking. I mean it was 27 to 3 at halftime and I don't even think it was that close. Uh Detroit has uh come up with their own identity. And Detroit's identity is, we're going to beat you up. They are physical on the offensive line. They are physical on the defensive line. They have an outstanding pass rush. And the Green Bay Packers are not tough on either their offensive line. And when it comes to stopping the run, they got a great pass rush. Don't get me wrong. They can get pressure on the quarterback. They've got, you know, Rashawn Gary's one of the best in the league. Preston Smith, still a good player. Lucas Van Ness, the rookie out of Iowa. Good player, young guy, and Igbare. They got they got guys that can rush the, rush the passer. But when it's third and three, or it's fourth and goal from the two, there's never a doubt in my mind that Green Bay is going to allow the other team to get a first down. That's just the way it is. That's the way it was under previous defensive coordinators like Tom Capers and Mike Pettin, and now with, with Joe Barry. I'm not calling players soft. I'm not calling players weak. I'm calling the scheme terrible. But I do want to start out by saying this. Packers are 2-2. Two and two. New era. I don't know if you heard Aaron Rodgers. Not there anymore. Jordan loves the man now. But I'm going to start this way. Because I'm sure you expected, Kira, for me to come in, start screaming, yelling, crying, whatever. <laughs> All right? But even last night, when I was over at my buddy Shane's house, my, my buddy Alex was over. He and I are the Packers fans in the, the neighborhood. My next-door neighbor, John, is a Bills fan. And Shane across the street's a Cowboys fan. We're over at his house watching the game in his basement. And uh, I didn't show up until it was 24-3. to 3 Because he said, don't you bleep out and not show up. Because he invited us all over. And I'm like, okay, you're right. So I get there, and even as... The butt, cook, butt kicking is going on. And Green Bay showed up in the third quarter. But even as that is going on, and I know there's a very slim chance that my team is going to come back, and I'm going to have to hear about it from Cowboys fan and Bills fan the entire week. I'm not angry, all right? This is a, I'm not overreacting to anything this year when it comes to the Green Bay Packers, okay? New quarterback, youngest team in the National Football League. And I knew that going in, all right? I didn't have this team winning a Super Bowl. I put five bucks on DraftKings for them to win the Super Bowl. If a miracle runs happens and they figure something out, I get 300 bucks. But it's a $5 bet, all right? I told myself before the season that I'm not going to get angry after losses. And there are going to be some losses that are annoying. Like last night's loss was annoying. But the Packers were a home dog. Expectations are very low for this Packers team. Eight wins, nine wins. If they get in the playoffs, cool, I'm thrilled. And I, I have to keep reminding myself is sometimes I do get a little bit angry when I see terrible play call or I see just terrible execution or whatever. But I have to keep reminding myself for the Packers, for the team that I follow and the team that I live for watching them play every Sunday, or in this case Thursday, or in the next week, Monday, and then they get a bye. Really weird. 2023 is not about 2023 for the Green Bay Packers. Now, that's not a popular sentiment, especially 
when you've got a fan base that has watched back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks own the NFC North for the better part of 30 years. Don't forget Aaron Rodgers went 6-10 and 10 his first year. But this message falls on deaf ears. But I have to keep reminding myself, it is all about 2024 for Jordan Love. It is all about 2024 for uh, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and the rest of these young guys. 2023 is not about 2023 for Green Bay. And I thought, okay, finally, because Aaron Rodgers loves to throw the ball, but Matt LaFleur wants to run the ball. And I thought, they're finally going to utilize Aaron Jones properly. Get him his 15 to 25 touches. Right around that 2022 mark is usually the sweet spot for Aaron Jones. And they... They've been managing his touches for four years. And maybe that's why at his age, I think he's 29, which is old. That's old for a running back. Maybe that's why he still has ability that we saw in week one, but then he got banged up and either he was too hurt to be used effectively or Matt LaFleur just chose not to run the ball for whatever reason or just give the ball to A.J. Dillon, which is basically the same thing as not running the ball. They're not, they didn't use Aaron Jones properly last night. Well, Wicket, you can't just hand the ball off. That offensive line was terrible. You can't just hand the ball off to him and have him slam up the back of his offensive lineman. No, but you got to figure out ways to get the football to your best player. Aaron Jones is their most dynamic weapon on offense. All right? The offense was dysfunctional for Green Bay last night. And you can insert your excuse or your reason, depending on how much, you know, spit and vinegar you have behind that reason becomes an excuse or becomes a reason or an injury here. You can credit the Lions all you want, and you should. Detroit played very well on defense. They disrupted everything Green Bay tried to do on the offensive line. Everything. Jordan Love was literally running for his life the entire night. Five sacks, I think 11 pressures. He was on his back a lot. Still... Threw a touchdown pass, ran in for a touchdown, ran a two-point conversion in, and then had the two interceptions. But I believe that last night's loss, not on the quarterback. Does he have to be better? Yeah, they all have to be better. If you're a Packers fan, you watch Jordan Love play with a clean pocket. He threw for 200 yards and a touchdown. With a not-so-clean pocket, he threw for like 60 yards and two picks. All right? And these might all sound like excuses or whatever, but what I saw last night on that second interception was late in the game. It was when the glimmer of hope was getting extinguished by the the Lions, and it was on that second pick. And if you watch the route, Dobbs pivots, but at the second he pivots, the moment he pivots, that's when Love fires. And Dobbs cuts back to the back corner, and there's nobody back there, and the ball is going the other way. Because Love didn't, the chemistry isn't there yet. You know, if you think about your great receiver quarterback combos, specifically in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams. Incredible, incredible chemistry. Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill had that. You know, Marvin Harrison and Peyton Manning had that. The great quarterback wide receiver combos. They look at each other. The quarterback knows what the receiver is thinking. The receiver knows what the quarterback is thinking. Even before the snap, during the play, they can look at each other. You know, if that's Rodgers and Devontae, Rodgers knows to take that half-second beat, the pump, the, the, the just the breath, the buh. Devontae is going to sprint back the other way. Rodgers finds it for six. Easy. Love and Dobbs don't have that yet. This is Jordan Love's fourth game as QB1. Romeo Dobbs' first, you know, first season, not as a rookie, being wide receiver one. You can say it's Christian Watson. We haven't seen much from Watson. Caught a touchdown first game last night. That's great. But that that's the kind of chemistry thing that's going to improve. That's going to get better with Jordan Love and all of his receivers, just based on time. But the Packers got absolutely pushed around again because Joe Barry, once again, their defensive coordinator, puts this team in terrible situations. There was one play at the goal line. Montgomery scored. David Montgomery, one of the three touchdowns David Montgomery had last night on my fantasy bench because I suck at fantasy football. The Packers are playing with two down linemen. Two down linemen and three linebackers and a safety lined up in the end zone. Against that offensive line and that running back, what does Montgomery weigh? 220? You can't possibly look at the formations that Green Bay puts out there with their light boxes and they love playing nickel 
You can't do that on the two-yard line against the Lions offensive line with David Montgomery at a full head of steam coming right at, right at you. I mean, it, it was it's embarrassing to watch, but Matt LaFleur is not going to fire him. You would have by now. They don't get any better. There's a lot of talent on that defense. And whether it's injuries or whatever, it's not being utilized. And if I'm Matt LaFleur, if I'm the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, I cannot imagine watching my tenure, my air quote legacy in Green Bay, get defined and determined by a bottom third defense with weaknesses that idiots like me, that wicket, can sit on the couch and point out. All right? If I can see it, how does Barry not see it from up in the skybox? If you're driving right now and you watch that game and you watch any Packers game, maybe you're a Packers fan, you watch that team play and you know that defense is going to get pushed around and punked. But for some reason, Matt LaFleur, he's hitched his wagon to it. That's his guy. Now I've been all in on Jordan Love. And I think he's going to be good. All right? Is it going to be Aaron Rodgers, four MVPs, two Super, or a Super Bowl? I, I don't know. But what I've seen in in four games so far, I like from Jordan Love in his first four. But like I said earlier, 2023 is not about 2023. For me, 2023 is about 2024 and 2025. And I think that this team that I watched last night get just slapped in the face, punched in the mouth, curb stomped, dog walked, whatever you want to say. They're going to be better in November and December than they are right now. And I think you say that a lot about most teams. But young teams especially will be better. You know, I don't know if the Dolphins are going to be better in December than they are right now. Dolphins look great. Can they get exponentially better? A young team like this could have highs and lows. It's expected. I expect Green Bay to be better two months from now than I do right now or a month from now. So am I upset about last night? I'm not angry. I'm more disappointed. I'm a dad. I can say that now. I'm not mad at you, Green Bay. I'm not mad at you, Matt LaFleur. I'm just disappointed. I can say that in my kid, you know, to my kids down the road. I'm sure I'll say that to my kids down the road. There's no doubt. So my plan for the year is this. I'm going to enjoy Packers games. They don't play again until Monday night of next week. I have 11 days to think about all that Honolulu blue that came down and took over Lambeau Field yesterday in a national television audience's face. But you know what? I'm going to be fine. I'm going to I'm not going to get too low when they lose and they're going to lose again. They're going to play in Vegas next. They got some winnable games, Vegas, the Steelers, the Rams. They got some winnable games. The Vikes are in there. I'll probably get way too high when they win. I'll come running in. Jordan Love for MVP. That's going to be way too high, but that's okay. Just all I want them to do is this. All I want Green Bay to do is this. Get better every week. I sound like Matt Campbell. Just get better every week. But I want the Packers to finish ahead of the Bears and Vikings in the standings. That's it. I'll be fine. I don't think they have a chance to win this division. I think they were just put in their place last night. But you finish ahead of Chicago and ahead of Minnesota, and then we look on to 2024. Call me in January. And I'll be all right with that. Go Pack Go. That's what I got. All right. I feel okay now. I feel all right. Coming up. Are there any good tight ends in fantasy football? Like any of them? Like Kelsey's fine. But are there any good tight ends? And who can you actually trust that has a craptastic quarterback? Andy Hall, FantasyNation.com and Laser103.3 joins me in studio next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. Coming up tonight. Baseball, big, huge must-win series for the Chicago Cubs up in Milwaukee. Playoff berth on the line. I think they're a half game out of the first wild card spot. Is that about right? Either way, we've got all three games for you coming up this weekend here on ESPN Des Moines. Also, we're going to have uh, Drake football coming up tomorrow. Uh, and it is Alabama and Mississippi State tomorrow night. I think, Kira, does that sound right? 
Hands in the air. Okay. FantasyNation.com's Andy Hall is here. Also, afternoons on Laser 103.3. Andy, are there any good tight ends in the National Football League in fantasy football not dating Taylor Swift? Yeah, I was just going to (laughs) say, if that caveat's not in there, it should be pretty obvious that now Patrick Mahomes is feeling the pressure to get the ball to Travis Kelsey, and it's going to be amplified even more so on Sunday night football this oh, weekend. So, can't wait. Yeah, that's going to be a, a quite a show. But are there, like, outside of Kelsey, mm-hmm. can you count on any tight end? I'm going to start advocating very strongly for <laughs> flex position only for tight end okay. as an option in fantasy football. I don't think it should be a mandatory position anymore. And actually, through the first few weeks of the season, when you look at fantasy defenses and how they stack up against the tight end position, mm. which is one of the metrics I use to to forecast, you look and see that there's just not a whole lot of production there. None. The tight end, so not Mark Andrews isn't doing a damn thing. Luke no. Musgrave got hurt. Laporte is a good one, but like, yeah, anybody? So, yes, there's a few good options, guys. We know have done it before, and all we're going on is track record. Mm-hmm. But in some cases, you know, there's been offensive coordinator changes. There's been some. Players that, you know, have have jumped up a little bit. terrible quarterback play in some of these teams. Which we'll talk about in a little bit. (laughs) So the answer to your question is not really, but I will bring up the name (laughs) Chig Okonkwo. Dumped him in one league. Well, this might be the week (laughs) to grab him off the waiver wire if you're looking for a tight end that has a promising matchup. And he does this week against Cincinnati, who's third in the league in fantasy points per game versus the tight end position or giving up the third mm-hmm. most fantasy points per game. But it's only nine and a half points per game. So I right. want to temper those expectations. It's not like it. it's you're not getting Kelsey like production. No, it's not the days of like four or five tight ends scoring 20 plus points a week. That is definitely not happening right now. What's up with Mark Andrews? What I mean, I've got him in a couple of leagues and I know he, people. I spent a second round pick on Mark Andrews. Yeah, I did too in some leagues. And I'll say that, you know, we went into a lot of these drafts thinking nothing was wrong with Mark Andrews. Right. And then, of course, he missed the first week of the season with an injury that kind of came out of nowhere as far as mm-hmm. a lot of us were concerned. That was a set it and forget it guy. For a lot of us, especially in leagues where it is mandatory to start a tight end. (laughs) And he's not going to join any more of those leagues. (laughs) I am not. No, and I'm I'm, I'm advocating just as strongly for non-kicker leagues as well, because kicker is yet another position. Extra receiver. Just play an extra receiver. If those positions are the ones that are truly making the difference week to week in your fantasy league, you're doing it wrong. Oh, God. Not good. Not good. Andy Hall joining me, FantasyNation.com, and also from Laser 103.3. One other name that I didn't know what to expect out of Zach Ertz this year, but in Arizona, you know, they've, they've got Trey McBride. He's the future at tight end. We don't know what the situation is with Kyler Murray. They got Josh Dobbs. They upset Dallas last week. Is Zach Ertz worth grabbing and stashing to see if maybe he gets traded to another team? Or is could he actually be a guy who gets six targets a game for a pretty bad Arizona squad. So he's been getting targeted. The issue is, as you alluded to, Kyler Murray's coming back, and I'm not sure you're going to see that same kind of production out of him when they make the change at quarterback. For now, it's a decent spot. If you're going to pick him up, you may as well just plan on putting him into your starting lineup. Otherwise, he's just taking up uh, valuable space on your roster. Um, I, you know, Zach Ertz is a guy who is really, really good when he's on the mm-hmm. field. The problem is, is he hasn't been on the field a whole heck of a lot because he always gets hurt. And mm-hmm. we saw that last year as well. So I'm not, he's not a guy that I'm looking to, tar- to target anywhere necessarily, but in that fantasy wasteland, that is the tight end position. <laughs> if you're absolutely desperate, I mean, he's a guy you can plug in. I mean, there's just a, it's, it's literally, it's Kelsey. And then it's like every, a big gap and everybody's the same player as David and Joku. And you just don't know what to do with any of these guys. Uh, this weekend, last weekend, let's rewind, uh, rewind. David Achan. Achan? Uh, it's D- Devon? Devon, Devon A-Chain. A-Chan. Okay. A-Chain. He, no, he, he wants it A-Chan. I'm not listening. Either way, the, guy, the dude in Miami, the yeah. backup in Miami. <laughs> the rookie. Nobody saw that happening. Everybody no. thought he could be a guy, but with Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, is there somebody that you're getting excited about to break out that we're not talking about that is the next Devon Achan A-Chain? A-Chain. Yeah, A-Chain. Uh, I love I, that. So, listen, here's the one name I'll mention because of the way you intro this. Mm-hmm. Roshan Johnson. I, I, see, to me, 
Go. You explain why, and okay. I'll talk. I, I'll, I've got thoughts on Roshan Johnson. So his snap share is up week over week, as we've seen through mm-hmm. the first week, three weeks of the season. Thirty nine percent, forty two percent, forty five percent. He is expected to start this is he really? week, all right. which is big news. And versus Denver, who just can... gave up all of that production to those Miami running backs, we're seeing that you know it's clear Khalil Herbert is not going to be the guy. Because no matter what kind of matchup you put in front of him, he just can't seem to get the job done. So Roshan Johnson is a guy that I think could jump up, and it's, you know, it's sure it could be pretty easy to throw that out there, considering they're playing the Denver Broncos yeah. this week. But you know, it is a good matchup. He's going to start this week. Clearly, the Bears have him in mind as the future in the backfield. You remember when uh, the, the the two running backs that came out, Cadillac Williams and Ronnie Brown, both came out, and Auburn. Cadillac. Cadillac had all of those yards, and Ronnie Brown was the other guy. Yeah, I feel like, and I watch Bijan play, and Bijan's just—he's a freak. Like he he's just a freak. But I feel like Roshan Johnson being the backup to Bijan Robinson, highly recruited guy. Just you're just behind one of the best to ever do it at Texas. Like I think Roshan Johnson's a sneaky long-term dynasty stud. Oh, I think that's for sure. I think that was the case anyway. But mm-hmm. now when you give him actual opportunity on yeah. the field in his rookie season, he's one of the very few rookies you can count on going forward, I think, because the Bears are going to lean on him. And he is a pass catcher, too. He can catch the ball. So you mentioned Ronnie Brown, which I find funny. The Wildcat would have never been no, a thing had that it not was, been for Ronnie. He was the guy. He was the guy. Yeah. Yeah. And Cadillac was a fine running back. But yeah, being coming the stud out of Auburn, I remember the two of them very well and how they worked well in college. And then the roles sort of reversed when they was, got into the NFL. Cadillac got beat up in college. He, he was did. he had like twenty five hundred rushing yards in three years yeah. in Auburn, and Ronnie Brown had like eight hundred. That's right. And he it, it 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 just goes to show again with the running back stuff. You know, you you only have a short shelf space or short lifespan or whatever it is. Well, they're shelf not going to be paying them like <laughs> they used to. That's for sure going forward no. because that is most definitely the case. So mm-hmm. the big time, you know checks that these running backs used to cash they're not going to get anymore andy hall joining us uh, fantasynation.com in studio here on espn des moines my name is mike wicket this is wicket's world it is becoming i actually asked a friend of ours about i asked brian johnson about a dynasty keeper or should i try to see what i can get for kyle pitts and he said you have to weather the storm Mm. you have to weather the storm all right but that's a long-term thing. Like, down the road, they're going to replace Desmond Ritter in Atlanta because he sucks. He's terrible. But what do you do if you have a guy like Kyle Pitts, who is in name only worthy of a roster spot in your starting lineup? Like, what do you do with Pitts? Hope for a trade to a team that right. isn't coached by Arthur Smith. <laughs> I know. Right? I mean, that's what's going on there is mm-hmm. basically, I mean, they know what they've got. They've got a ton of weapons on that offense uh, in Atlanta. Ritter is the one sort of like low spot. If they would give Pitts the opportunity, we've seen what he can do, even under with Marcus Mariota at quarterback. Yeah. I mean, he's 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 really good. Like, but they're just not using him no. the way that he should be used, and that goes for I, Drake London as well in that Atlanta offense. And I don't know if if they bring, let's say hypothetically, pie in the sky, they trade for Kyler Murray. Let's say they bring in Kyler Murray. They want to deal with all the dead cap, and they figure out a way to make Kyler Murray work in Atlanta. Does he make Pitts an elite? Top seven tight end, just or or Drake London, a top fifteen wide receiver. I or are don't, they going to stick with Bijan and Algier running the ball all that? I will say that I think they get better with a better quarterback situation. However, that offense is built on their strengths, which is the running game first and foremost. They yes. get Cordell Patterson back; that's going to be even more of a mess because uh, <laughs> he's going to get his opportunities be seven too. Passing attempts in the whole game for sure, and they're going to have guys <laughs> lined up all over the field. You're mm-hmm. not going to know whether the guy's going to be in the backfield or out wide. Or see, they can do that with Kyle Pitts. That's the cool thing about him is he's so versatile. But again, they're just not using him, and that's Arthur Smith. Uh, two other guys I want to talk to you about, maybe three if we have time, about quarterback play that is holding guys back. Garrett Wilson. Oh, man. How many people spent a first-round pick or an early second-round pick on Garrett Wilson? I did twice. Uh, Because you're all banking on Aaron Rodgers. 100%. And now you have the only—there's one guy with the worst quarterback rating in the league, worse than uh, Zach Wilson. It's Justin Fields. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you do with Garrett Wilson? Do you sit on Garrett Wilson? Do you start him? Do you bench him? You can't move him because everybody's in the same book right now. What do you do? Do you just keep plugging him in there? Yeah, sell low is not the strategy for a guy like Garrett Wilson. (laughs) You're hoping that they make a trade, right? So there's been some steam on guys like Kirk Cousins and others who, you know, may be open to a trade to a team like the New York Jets. Maybe not. But 
anything's better than what they've got now. And so what you're hoping for is either Wilson <laughs> demanding a trade and ending up somewhere else or that they upgrade their quarterback position somehow, some way. Maybe that's Kyler Murray. I don't know. I have no idea. Like, nobody knows where Kyler's at, and I don't know how quickly he can come in and take over a new system like that. One thing I will say about Garrett Wilson is he is not what I would call a sabotage drop, and I'm sure in fantasy football circles you may have mm-hmm. heard this phrase where mm-hmm. it's somebody like, here's a good example of somebody I would sabotage drop right now, DeAndre Hopkins. I just bought him in guillotine for no. 25 bucks. Well, that's a little bit of a different format, but in typical home leagues in your standard mm-hmm. scoring, he's just in a terrible position in Tennessee. Who could have seen this coming? He, Who could have seen going to play for Ryan Tannehill for all that money yeah. as opposed to Patrick Mahomes for $4 million? Who could have seen this coming? The hope with a sabotage drop is that you get rid of a guy that somebody will pick up and take up a roster roster spot on, and maybe they will clear up room and drop somebody who's got more value short or long term than Hopkins, for example. I I would not say Wilson's one of those. I just I added DeAndre Hopkins specifically to fill in one bye week next week. It's the only reason I did it. Hope and a prayer. I mean, listen, that's all it is. You just have to survive. The remaining teams that are left. That's all you have to do. So if you get something, anything out of DeAndre Hopkins in the guillotine league format, you're going to be just fine. Last one for you. Can you comfortably start C.J. Stroud or any other rookies? Well, for Stroud specifically, I think he's a matchup guy. I mean, if you start him in good matchups, he's obviously got some playmakers on Mm. that offense. Damian Pierce has been okay. Tank Dell. Stud looks amazing. Stud. So you want to start if you want to talk rookies, mm-hmm. he's the guy you should start with. And I think he's shown very early on what he's capable of here. Whereas most rookies, Jordan Addison is a good example of this. He's done some things, but he mm-hmm. hasn't been on the field largely as much as a Tank Dell has. Right. And the more time Tank Dell gets um familiar with the offense and you know his quarterback, I think both Stroud and him are both uh I think they're very valuable. Absolutely. Otherwise, I mean, at the rookie Spot. I mean, Sam Laporta. You, you alluded last to earlier. Night. I mean, he's he's a guy that's he can just do it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's tight end university. Yep. Anybody out of Iowa, pretty much. So Sam Laporta is a guy I like a lot. But largely, I mean, the, the Quinton Johnsons and guys I was excited about going into the season, even Tank Bigsby in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. There's just not a whole lot there yet to suggest that they're ready for the breakout, barring an injury to somebody ahead of them on the depth chart. So I. We'll just kind of stick with Tank Dell, and I'll say that Stroud <laughs> is a good—he's a good start in a pinch, or certainly if you're in a super flex league, he's a great start there. Andy Hall, FantasyNation.com here on weekday afternoons on Laser 103.3 here in Des Moines. Thanks, man. Yeah, great to be back. We will do it again coming up next week. Straight ahead, we go to the NBA, the biggest story in the sports world that has nothing to do with football. We'll hit the Dame to Milwaukee story next. Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook. This is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Des Moines Sports Leader. My name is Mike Wickett. This is World. Thanks again to Andy Hall, FantasyNation.com. Follow him on Twitter at Andy Hall Radio. He'll answer all your fantasy football questions on Sundays, by the way. Give him something to do between 11 and 12. Bye. Oh, and don't forget, I don't know if you're going to be watching this. Uh, I'm going to get to basketball here in a second. Uh, coming up on Sunday over on Disney+, Plus, they are doing the London game from Andy's, not that Andy, from Andy's bedroom in Toy Story. Yeah, they're doing, like, because they've done the Nickelodeon game where, like, when you score, everybody gets slimed on the graphics and everything like that. So Sunday morning... I think it's an 8.30 Des Moines kickoff time from London. They're doing, well, yeah, they play. Some of us are awake at 8.30 on a Sunday, Kira. And some of us have been awake for two hours by 8.30 because I have three gremlins who come from the upstairs to make sure that I am awake by 6.30 on a Sunday. Falcons, Jaguars playing in London. That's the Sunday game. But uh, if you were to check out and you have kids, it'll be on Disney Plus. They're doing it from the the bedroom of Andy from Toy Story's room. It's kind of cool, right? So, um, if you did not know, along with being a Green Bay Packers fan, I'm a Milwaukee Bucks fan. All right? When they won the championship, I went absolutely nuts a couple of years ago because I was there in Milwaukee working when uh, the fight to basically keep the Bucks in Milwaukee because they were building the new Pfizer Forum was happening. And it was, I mean, that was a an intense battle. Obviously, it went political, and it's always great when you get to talk about politics billionaires, regular Joes, millionaires. It's always fun. But to see the Bucks win the championship 
because of Giannis. And to see that team finally break through, it's still to this day. I mean, I bought I bought the newspaper, the one that comes out the next day with the big celebration. I ordered it online. So one day when I finish my basement, I can put it in a frame. I can hang it up. And I'll be able to look at I mean, I that's how I was in. All about that championship. And then the last two years, you know, last year, the injury to Giannis, Chris Middleton hasn't been healthy. But then the biggest move of the offseason happened. And if you follow me on Twitter, I happen to, uh, I don't generally get a lot right on Twitter because I make a lot of predictions. But I was screaming all offseason, go get Dame, go get Dame. And then about a month ago, all of us, somebody somewhere did an interview with Giannis, right? And Giannis said, before he signs uh, an extension, he'll get the Supermax because he's worth a bajillion dollars. Uh, he wants to make sure that the Bucks have a commitment to winning. The New York media took that and ran and went crazy with that. Meaning, does this sound like Giannis wants out of Milwaukee? No, it, it, he says it every couple of years. I mean, he's what's he going to tell the reporter? So are you going to sign that, that extension? Yes. He's not going to say that. He's just going to say, you know, something as simple. And I, and I and this radio station, the shows that we carry from ESPN Radio, driving me insane. Giannis wants out of Milwaukee. They have to prove blah, 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 blah. I was like, just chill out. He's just answering a question, honestly. And I realize that people in New York and L.A. never pay attention to those of us in flyover country. And the Bucs aren't generally a story uh, unless they're in the finals, all right? Giannis is great, MVP, whatever. But the, the stories that come out of flyover country, like us here in Des Moines, generally don't get talked about unless there's an extreme case of anything. So when those comments were made, the New York media poured gas on it, threw a match in, and lit it on fire. And it was nothing. It was a giant nothing burger. But everybody knew that the Bucs couldn't stand Pat. The Celtics got more offensive. They brought in Kristaps Porzingis. You had other teams, you know, the, everybody's waiting to see what happens with Joel Embiid and the 76ers. And, you know, the, the Cavs are young and on the come in the East. We'll talk about the West another time. There was this dude out in Portland. Stuck in the middle, and you never want to be stuck in the middle. If you in the, in sports, you either want to be really good or really bad. That's the way it is. If you're a 500 team, you're not doing anything. If you're picking 14th, you're not doing anything in most sports. All right, you either want to be tanking so you can get great players early, or you want to be really great, which means you're competing for championships. And the Portland Trailblazers have always been right there in the middle in the West. You know, you got Steph Curry and company in Golden State. All of a sudden, Denver's really good. The Lakers, usually good. Kobe Shaq, and now LeBron is over there. And then you get the Suns, who made a run with Chris Paul. Now they had Kevin Durant over there. And there's Portland, always sitting around 500. Made one run to the Western Conference Finals. But other than that, Damian Lillard is the most wasted player in the NBA. He's got no shot to win out there. A, nobody wants to go to Portland. B, they're just not bad enough to get the next great player. They're just not bad enough to get, what's the dude from France with the with Victor Wembanyama? all right? They're not that bad. They're never going to win 13 games a year when they've got Damian Lillard on the team. They're also not going to win 55 games a year when all they have is Damian Lillard on the team. So finally, after all that time in Portland, out of nowhere, this was on Wednesday. I was sitting there on my couch, all right? Kitchen table, actually. And I'm getting ready. I'm making my final. We got our fab auction in our guillotine league. So I'm trying to figure out, am I going to put how much money? I'm going to put on Bijan Robinson. How much do I want to pay to get DeAndre Hopkins on my team? 25 bucks, by the way, was the answer. And I just, I'm like, let's see what's on Twitter. I got to take a break. My head's going to explode. And I see Woj. I see Adrian Wojnarowski drop the bomb on the world that the Milwaukee Bucks have acquired Damian Lillard. And all they gave up was like a pick swap. They gave up Drew Holiday. More on that. That's a big loss. And they gave up Grayson Allen. I thought, that's it? Now they got their point guard who can get you 35 on a couple of nights a week to go with Giannis. No more Giannis wall, and there's nobody to kick out to. Guess who's going to take the clutch shot at the very end of a game? Because that's not exactly Giannis' specialty. Oh, my God. They got Damian Lillard. Dame time to Milwaukee. I could not believe it. And you know what you can't do when you have kids who are napping? You can't scream. You can't celebrate. And who else doesn't care? My nanny. Doesn't care at all. But I was internally screaming. I could not believe that the trade that I had been begging to happen, it happened. And they didn't have to give up the world to get Damian Lillard. Lillard wanted a trade. He does not. He did not have a no-trade clause. 
Everybody thought it was going to be Miami. But listen to Mark Spears give you the timeline of how this trade went down. You know, on July 1st, and the trade request was made, it was Miami. Why? They just went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, South Beach, baby, you know that. And tax-free. With all that money he's making, saving a lot of money, but two months, two and a half months passed. Nothing, nothing, nothing was happening. He made an offer. The Blazers never counter. It was just dead in the water. So what happened was, uh, I was told that Aaron Goodwin, his agent, about 10 days ago, goes to Dame and says, hey, man, they're not going to do anything with Miami. Here are all the options. What is a B. What is a C? And what Damon Lillard told Aaron Goodwin was like, look, I'm cool with the Milwaukee Bucks and I'm cool with the Brooklyn Nets. So Aaron Goodwin, from what I was told, went back, talked to both franchises, actually told them to keep it on the low. Don't say anything to the Blazers about him definitely being interested there because they felt it could work against them. And then in the end, Toronto, actually, Masai Ujiri, you know him well, certainly not scared to pull the trigger after taking Kawhi Leonard in 2019, won a championship. He was really close to making it happen, I was told, and making a push. But Milwaukee got in there, got it done, and now Damon Lillard uh, kind of gets his wish. It's not South Beach, but I think they got lakes there, right? <laughs> it's a little cold. Yeah, uh, he's going to go play with Giannis. I think from a basketball standpoint, he's probably in a better place. Now, what I like about that, and I got into some Facebook fights with people, which is always a great place to have a difference of opinion because people always listen. Logically, they listen. People are out there, including Richard Jefferson, I heard on this network, say that Portland did Dame dirty by sending him to Milwaukee and not to Miami. A, Portland didn't do anybody dirty, all right? Portland held all the cards. Portland knew that Dame wanted wanted out. And they're like, okay, fine. We're going to start over. We're going to get young. We're going to hit the reset button. And while you want to, may, maybe he's the greatest trailblazer of all time. You can argue he's the greatest blazer of all time. Bill Walton, Clyde Drexler, Dame Lillard. There's your top three, right? You want to be good to Dame because he's been so good to you. He's performed He's played well. He's mostly played 50, 60 games, 70 games a year. It was one year last year he got hurt, and this year he wanted the season to end early because he, he knew he was going to be gone. But you don't have to acquiesce to whatever Damian Lillard wants and take Miami's crappy deal. And you heard Mark Spears say in that soundbite that they didn't like Miami's deal. So who else? And here come the Bucks. all right? Not only... Is it just a good basketball team to go play with? Two years ago, there's a famous tweet that's going around right now that said if you want, if they asked Damian Lillard if you could hook up with one player to win a championship, he answered with one word, Giannis. Also, and I believe that this is absolutely connected to everything. They have a new head coach in there, Adrian Griffin. He was Nick Nurse's assistant, number one assistant in Toronto. Nurse is now in Philly. They hired Terry Stotts as an assistant. Former Bucks head coach Terry Stotts, who spent nine years, who spent all those years as the head coach in Portland with Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard, when Terry Stotts got fired, said he was the best coach he ever had. You don't think that there was something connecting the Bucks, thinking, well, if we want this guy, let's go get him his head coach that he wants and put him on the new staff. I absolutely believe that this has been in the works, connected to the Stotts hire, a guy who comes back to Milwaukee. He knows the city a little bit. Didn't have a ton of success in Milwaukee, but he's Dame's guy. You don't think that that connection mattered when, as Mark Spears said, they went back to the agent, Aaron Goodwin, and said, look, here's Milwaukee, here's Brooklyn. And he said he'd be okay with Milwaukee. You don't think that that's connected? You're wrong. Because Portland could have sent him anywhere. But again, I go back to the relationship between Dame Lillard and Portland, and they, they made him happy. They could have sent him to Oklahoma City, or they could have sent him to Utah, or where, who knows, where San Antonio. But they got him with the coach, and they got him with the guy he wanted to play with. That's taking care of your guy, and they get Drew Holiday back. And now Drew is part of the glue and a huge piece of the Milwaukee community. He and his wife raised a ton of money for that city. They're going to flip him in Portland. He's going to turn into a first-round pick, young player, something along those lines, for somebody to come help that rebuild in Portland. So, as a Bucks fan, thank you to Drew Holiday for everything you did, but gosh, I am so damn excited. See what I... 
See what I did there, Kira? Do you like that? <laughs> Dame time in the Brew City. We'll hear from a few more experts on the Dame trade. And before we get out of here, are we really that upset about an awesome, happy story? That's next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines Sports Leader. My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. What's up? Happy Friday. And we have Cubs baseball coming up tonight, 6 o'clock. It's Cubs and Brewers. It's a it's must-win time for the Cubbies, all right? If they want to stay in this wild-card race, it's must-win time. Meanwhile, the Brewers, I believe, are locked into their playoff spot. They'll be hosting the three-game series up at what is still Miller Park in my heart up in the Brew City. We've also got Drake football tomorrow. And then uh, I think tomorrow night we have Alabama and Mississippi State. Triple header of live sports right here tomorrow on ESPN Des Moines. So wrapping up the conversation about Dame, uh, Dame Lillard going to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, here's what Brian Windhorst said. This was his initial reaction about Dame and Giannis and how much fun it's going to be. They were already pretty much all in the Bucks. This is going all in on top of all in. They gave up a swap rights and draft picks down the road when Giannis may no longer be a Buck. They gave up a defensive ace, the guy who was at the heart and soul of their championship a couple of years ago. But they get a player who's an absolutely dynamic offensive piece. And the concept of putting Dame Lillard next to Giannis Antetokounmpo and all of the actions that they can run and all of the challenge to cover that space in the floor because Giannis can take two steps and get from the three-point line to the basket and Lillard can <laughs> shoot to 35 feet. I'm telling you it's as dynamic of a potential duo as we could have seen. It is going to be really interesting to see. I mean, Vegas already has Milwaukee as the favorite. They were the, I think, had the third or fourth or fifth best odds before the trade. Now they're plus 425, basically 4-1 to one to win the whole thing. Celtics are 5-1. to one. Bucks are the favorites to win this whole thing now that this trade went down. Some people don't think it's the, the the loss defensively from Drew Holiday, who is an all-world defender and can defend probably three, maybe four positions, but definitely the one, the two, and the three, uh, going from that to Dame isn't worth the trade-off in the point production. And to that, I say, fooey, because Milwaukee needs offense when the wall and the collapse happens on Giannis, and you can't just leave Damian Lillard open. I mean, you, he can hit from 35 feet, 40 feet, whatever. Uh, Kendrick Perkins from ESPN says that you got to credit Giannis and some of those words I talked about earlier for getting this deal done. Giannis is playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers. He put it out there. He hasn't signed that contract extension. All of a sudden, what the Bucks do, they please him by going out there and getting him his first bona fide superstar that he's ever going to play alongside of in Damian Lillard. Giannis, you got to do right by the franchise now. You have to sign that contract. This is what's going on right now around the organizations in the Eastern Conference. Then their group messages right now saying, don't worry about it, fellas. We good. They're lying. No, you are not. This team is not only favored of coming out of the Eastern Conference right now, but this team stay healthy. They're going to win the NBA championship. But guy, Kendrick Perkins, normally I can't stand Perk. <laughs> normally I think Perk babbles on and I'm not a big fan. So that starting five from Milwaukee is now going to be Damian Lillard. Probably Malik Beasley at the two, Chris Middleton at the three. You got Giannis at the four and Brooke Lopez at the five. And between Giannis and Brooke Lopez, that's probably the best defense, not just offensive, but best defensive four or five in the NBA. You got Giannis, who's won Defensive Player of the Year awards before. Brooke Lopez has been in that conversation for the award before. I, I think that around the rim, there's not a better team in the NBA defensively. I know Rudy Gobert is out there and some other shot blockers, but... Four, five, those two guys, plus Bobby Portis. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be a very interesting year in Milwaukee. All of a sudden, you're gonna see the Bucs on TV, national TV, a lot more. They do play on Christmas Day, by the way. Speaking of national TV, all right. I like to think that I am generally a positive person. Kira, would you say I'm generally positive around here? Yeah. Thank you very much. Some people think I'm a negative Nancy. <laughs> Some people think that I just look for things to complain about. One of our sales guys, Chris, 
All right. He used to tell me when we would do events for Laser, he said, you know, I used to I used to listen to Laser in the morning just to hear what you would complain about. <laughs> I didn't know how to take that. Um, but can I ask you an honest question? Yes. Uh, so on Laser, you uh, do this segment called First World Fridays. Was yes. that your idea? Yes, it was. Yeah. First, right. First World Friday was, I, I used to do it in another market and brought it here. Complain, yep. Complaining about things that don't don't matter. <laughs> First World Friday is a, is a segment we do on the morning show on Laser here in Des Moines, uh, where we literally complain about things because we're Americans and our problems aren't all that real. Like the stuff that, oh, my phone won't connect to my TV, so I can't stream Netflix. That's an actual problem that I'm having right, right now in my car. Yeah, it see? Sucks. Yeah, my Bluetooth won't connect, so I can't listen to my podcast in the car. Like, these are... These, this. <laughs> like, there's hurricanes attacking islands right now. <laughs> People have cholera in, in parts of the world. Cholera! And, and we complain about stuff like, oh, my coffee's too hot. My partner, Heather. Oh, my coffee's too hot. Really? So anyway, I like to think of myself as a positive person. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, when we found out last Sunday, right? Like, let me back it up. I don't lose an ounce of sleep when it comes to celebrities. Okay. In this industry, I have talked to many celebrities in, 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 on the phone, in person, on Zoom calls these days, like, to me, celebrities are not that big of a deal. I got starstruck once walking by Michael Jordan, and I kind of froze, and my voice cracked when I talked to Taylor Swift in person for the first time. Yes, we were at Arrowhead before concert. My wife, my wife is always a baller. We got to go do a meet and greet with Taylor, right? And my voice cracked when I said hello, like Bobby Brady, or Peter Brady, which is the middle Brady. You didn't watch the Brady Bunch? No. That's right. You're like 12 years old. Never. <laughs> the middle Brady. With Greg, Peter, Bob. With Peter. Peter, change, change. And so, I, to me, celebrities are what they are. I don't live... But then again, I live and die with what, what sports athletes do. You know, like, I'm that kind of a dork. I'm that kind of a nerd. So, I don't get enamored with celebrity couples, celebrity babies, celebrity baby names. I think most of them are weird. Uh... So when Taylor Swift starts dating Travis Kelsey, or the rumors are, I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Just don't ruin my fantasy team, Taylor. Okay? I drafted Travis Kelsey. He already missed one game with an injury. Okay? (laughs) So when we find out they're dating, I'm like, all right, cool, fine, whatever. But I know it's a massive story. I realize that anything she does flat, you know, off this tour, before the tour goes worldwide, anything she does is national news on every format. Can I get on a soapbox for a minute? Sure. It's your show. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're good. What really drives me crazy about this story in general is people just assume they're dating. Well, I mean, like Taylor they, Swift can't just be a hardcore no. Kansas City Chiefs fan. No one, no, she's from Pennsylvania, spends her time in Nashville, New York, and LA. She's got nothing to do with Kansas City. All right. Zero. Zero. I've seen her in concert twice in Kansas City, once at what is now T-Mobile Arena and once at Arrowhead, all right? She has no connection to Kansas City, and she winds up in Travis Kelsey's box next to Travis Kelsey's mom. All right. All right? Because <laughs> he apparently shot, tried to shoot her his shot with uh, a friendship bracelet and his phone number, and she shot him down, according to reports, but she didn't really shoot him down. They've been This has actually been happening for a few weeks now, maybe a month. So on Sunday, she's in the box at Arrowhead, for the Fox game of the week or the CBS game of the week or whatever it was. And it's Chiefs and Bears. And the game is absolutely dreadful. It's a terrible game. Chiefs blow them out. You knew that was going to happen. The Bears are a dumpster fire. But that game is the most watched football game of the year. It was 41 nothing at one point or something. Or 41-3 to or something like that. I don't even know. But it was the most watched game of the National Football League season. It had nothing to do with Justin Fields. It had nothing to do with... Uh, Patrick Mahomes, it had very little to do actually with Travis Kelsey. All right. The reason most people were watching that game was because of her. She is the biggest celebrity on the planet. Name one bigger. Somebody said, oh, she's a bigger celebrity than Tom Brady? Yes. 
Are you kidding? Dude, half of Europe has no idea who Tom Brady is. Literally, like, you, you could walk into a store in I, pick a, South Africa. Nobody's going to have a clue who Tom Brady is. But you bring up Taylor Swift, everybody knows who she is. It doesn't matter. And, and I'm not, like, I can't think of a bigger celebrity than, than Taylor Swift. And I know there are people out there, oh, Taylor sucks, her music sucks, whatever. I, I don't care if you like her music or you don't like her music. She is the most successful pop star of the generation. She's Britney Spears level popular, maybe bigger. I don't know. Uh, she doesn't have a lot of competition. It's like her, Beyonce. Is that it? Is that where the list ends? Of female pop stars, yeah. How about all pop stars? She's a bigger deal than Justin Timberlake, who hasn't done anything in a while. I mean, hell, Insync's going to get back together. She's bigger than Metallica, who's on a worldwide two-day tour of every city in the world. She's a bigger star than anybody in the rap game right now. She's a bigger star than probably every anybody in country not named Jelly Roll, but she's still a bigger star than Jelly Roll. Like, there's nobody bigger than her in sports. Maybe Messi if you're a soccer player, but that's it. Nobody in baseball, nobody in the NBA, nobody in the, in the National Football League. So when I see people hating on her, I just don't understand why. It's a fun story. Travis Kelce, they escaped in Travis's uh, convertible, and they went to the, one of the nicest restaurants in, uh, in Kansas City, and they had already planned on renting out the whole place for the whole team. Like the football players, all the Chiefs came there afterwards. And you know who hit it off? Patrick Mahomes' wife, Brittany, and Taylor Swift. Good for them! Like... Why are people mad about this? Why do people hate on something that is fun, something that is not so serious? You know, I, I just will never quite understand it. I don't understand why people crap on happiness. And then it was announced. Not only are Travis Kelsey's jerseys up 400%, the sale of his jerseys, he's now a top five guy. That never happens for a tight end, even Gronk. And the Chiefs are playing in New York. Sunday night football, the game where everyone will be watching in the market, featuring the Jets, who are supposed to be great, with Aaron Rodgers, and now the Chiefs. And now here comes Kelsey and Swift, and apparently Mahomes too. You, I mean, how many times will they show her in the box in, in New York? I mean, over under 50, most likely. Good for her. Good for them. Just do me one favor. Don't ruin my fantasy team. That's all I ask, all right? Don't be the curse that ruins Travis. I've never had him on my team. Thanks to Andy Hall for joining me. My name is Mike Wickett. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Welcome to